the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS On Air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol, a nationally known gerontologist, chairman of the board of the National Council on Aging, and executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We've been co-hosting this show for five years, four years, maybe? It's amazing. Six years, six years seven All years. All dealing with caregiving, and suddenly, after my knee replacement surgery, I'm a care recipient. I know. Ask me how I like it. How do you like being a care recipient, You listen Ron? to Caregiver SOS on air at <laughs> 9.30 a.m. The answer, it's tough for being the caregiver, but tough being a care recipient. Well, you know, that's um, probably not unusual, but all of us... All of us have to practice a little humility every once in a while, as well as a little initiative. It takes both. And one of the things caregivers need to be aware of is what Roman Medina is going to be talking with us about in just a couple of moments. We'll be talking with him about information security, cybersecurity, and protecting especially seniors. And in the small world category... Roman and your husband, Ernie, know each other. In, in the small cybersecurity world. So, you know, Roman probably is the most important person in town, you know, in terms of having the inside scoop on how to be safe because all of us, all of us do silly things that on the Internet and in the world of cyber stuff. And we're going to find out about that in, in just a moment. But I want to find out now, now that I have headed on the direction of a happier life, a brand new total left knee replacement, soon to be in the Olympics. I'll be in the uh, men 90 and over 100-yard dash in just a few years. What's the one thing you need, Carol Cerniel, for a happier life? Well, you know, I'm so glad that just in time for 2018, we're going to finally find out it is the one time. thing that brings happiness. You know, is it money? Is it a successful career? No. No, no, no. Yeah, you already see, you already figured that one out. So this comes from a TEDx talk, um, and it, it was a study of 724 people, Harvard Medical School. Guess what? It's good relationships. Wow. So apparently, um, it says good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Period. That's it. So you know this whole thing about isolation and loneliness. We are not just whistling Dixie. Uh, there's some science behind it and our connections to our family and our friends and our community. That's the best we, gift we can give ourselves, and it's probably the best gift we can give other people is being there for them. And it's one of the investments the WellMed Charitable Foundation makes in senior centers that makes a huge difference, socialization. That, well, that's right. And, and so, you know, as, a, as a, an organization affiliated with health care, we think about socialization and we think about connections. You know, and as it turns out, Conflict is really not good for us. Stress is not good for us. So we need to have happy relationships. So I was really, I was happy to see that after your knee surgery, Gina, you know, was here and, and helping us get situated today because, you know, that you're going to live longer and so is she. Well, she's also commented that I walk better than I ever walked before. She said, guys walking on walkers into the barn door don't walk as well as I walk with a walker. There you go. So what an endorsement. That's it. That's a ringing endorsement. Now, we're on the happiness trail. We found out the one thing we need for a happier life. Now you've got five steps to having a good day. Well, you know, this isn't obviously these are all January articles we um, you know, that I pulled from even though we're moving right into February. Just Time waits corner. for no one. Uh, but it turns out that, you know, we actually can have influence over our days as opposed to being kind of the victim of what comes along. And that's probably one of the, the first rule is, 
you know, number one is how do we really want to spend our time? What is it that matters today? And why don't we try doing that thing instead of just getting blown over by everything else on our schedule? Set priorities. Yeah, well, set, set priorities. You know, you know how, what is it that matters? And how do I clear enough space away so I can get that done? And I think that counts for caregivers, too. You know, I'm thinking about a family that's waiting on test results. And, you know, they can't move forward, can't go backwards, can't go anywhere until they get the test results. But the hospital's not calling with the test results. And so that means we're going to have to clear some space to track down somebody with the test results. And if you can't get hold of them to track down somebody who knows somebody with the test results, this could be an all-day initiative. But if we need the test results, we're going to have to make it happen. And our upcoming guest, Roman Medina, cybersecurity expert, knows that clearing time to make sure you are cyber secure is incredibly important. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, we'll talk about that shortly. We're, and we're going to talk about that. You know, the other thing that we can do to have a better day is, is kind of distance ourselves from some of the static and the noise. So if something's really upsetting us and it's weighing us down, stop and think, you know, a month from now, a year from now, what am I going to think about this situation? And if you think, you know, a year from now, I'm not really going to care. Okay, fine. Live with that for a while. <laughs> don't don't let it ruin your whole day today and drag you down. You know, give yourself some space. That's how I feel about my chonus on the floor. You know, what's the deal? They'll, they'll, is it going to matter in a month from now? That, you know, you have to ask yourself these questions. <laughs> you just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, talking in just a couple of moments with Roman Medina, a cybersecurity expert from Jefferson Bank. What else to make it a happier day? Well, the other thing we need to do is actually, if we have big decisions we need to make, give our brain some room to think. If you're really concentrating, concentrating on trying to solve a problem, you know how sometimes you just let that go and your brain works on it when you're not actively thinking about it? Some of our best ideas come from just taking a walk, getting, you know, stretching a little bit, stand up, get some fresh air. And I think that goes for caregivers. Um, we are not meant to multitask, so the other thing we can do is focus on the thing that we're doing and stop doing 20 things, which we really can only do one thing at a, at a time. It's an illusion that we're multitasking. So as caregivers, as family members, if we're with our kids, be with the kids, do what we're doing right now. Um, and then the last thing, start out the day with gratitude in the day with gratitude. In the morning, hey, my coffee was hot. I didn't have to wait that long for the elevator, and the traffic wasn't that bad. Look for what's good. Look for what's good, you know, instead of focusing on the negative. We hear so much negative in the news. It's important for us to make an effort to think about what's positive in our life. I was talking the other day, speaking of positive, to a guy who's getting ready to retire, and he's figured out down to the last nickel that he can probably make it happen a year or two before he thought that was possible. And so the question becomes, does retiring early, she's showing us a really cute cartoon, does retiring early help you live longer? Well, okay, so again, uh, looking at the research, this was a study done in the Netherlands. It's been replicated in Israel, in England, in Germany, in other European countries. And apparently retiring early help, does help you live longer. Oops. We all think, oh, working and staying engaged. So the answer is, you know, a lot of us who are working aren't getting enough exercise. We're not getting enough sleep. We're not taking care of ourselves. So the retiring early gives us a chance to take care of ourselves, and that's why we live longer. However, if we retire, sit down with a bottle of scotch, a pack of cigarettes, you know, um, that's probably not going to work as well. So the smoking and drinking your way through retirement, not a good idea. And a lot of people are living beyond their retirement money. Well, and that's... Because we're living longer. We are living longer, and most of us don't have enough savings. We've way, way, way underestimated. I was um, speaking at a conference and asking, you know, how much money do people have saved for retirement? And people say, you know, about $200,000. Well, that sounds pretty good if you socked away $200,000. But that's $7,000 a year to live on. And you divide that by 12 months, and it's not that much money. So, you know, we, we've got to start planning now. It is never too early. It can be too late, but it's never too early to think about retirement. And if you get an opportunity and can retire early, you know, you might just live longer. Now, one of the neat programs that uh, Caregiver SOS provides for folks is the Caregiver Teleconnection, which is a free service using what is the basic of basic technologies 
the phone. The phone. To hook people together at no cost. That's right. And, you know, it's free. It's a simple teleconference. You get on the phone with an expert and a facilitator. It's very safe, but it's also anonymous. So when you're a caregiver on the teleconnection, no one knows who you are. You can be in your pajamas. Your hair can be sticking straight up. It's all good. No one can see you. Um, And in February, the sessions that we have coming up, we've got a couple of sessions on family dynamics. One of them is on February 12th. It's family meetings. So think about the caregiving situation that you're in. Maybe your siblings and you are not on the same page. Maybe you and the care facility are not on the same page. So how to have a successful family meeting. And then for those people who have either came to our caregiver summit or have looked at the um, the speakers online, Barry Jacobs is a psychologist, and he's going to talk about managing family conflict. And, you know, he, not only is he a psychologist, but he managed a lot of family conflict in his own life. So I think that, you know, February, we've devoted some time to respond to the caregivers who have said, you know what, I'm not getting along with the rest of my family. We're not on the same page. So these are really good sessions for people who are, are you know, struggling a little bit with their family members. And he was here at our caregiver conference a year ago speaking about these kinds of issues. Oh, yeah. No, it was just, just this past fall, um, and I got an email from him today, and he's been very gracious to, to donate some time to the teleconnection. And then um, a new feature that we have monthly now is Dear Lucy. Uh, and you may have heard her here on the radio show in December, but Lucy Barry Lack is a social worker from Canada, and she will answer any question you have. Just throw her the biggest, baddest question that you have, um, and she will take it and run with it. And just, you know, she's just got such a warm heart uh, and so much tremendous expertise. She was awarded the Queen of England gave her an award for her work in caregiving. And she pioneered what became the Caregiver Teleconnection here. She invented it. Yes, she helped to invent that um, in Canada. And uh, so, you know, we've got really good people, uh, nationally recognized psychologists, international geriatric experts, all of this for free here on the radio on our Caregiver Teleconnection. That's pretty good. It is a good year. year. And for 2018... Uh, you ride into this year having been named one of the 50 top leaders in dealing with issues involving seniors by uh, Next Door. Uh, next Avenue. Next Avenue, I'm sorry. Yeah, which, who, they're not Next Door, but they are Next Avenue, which is part of the um, public broadcasting system online it's a wonderful uh, community. Website. It's a wonderful website. If you go to nextavenue.org, you're going to find lots of great information. Carol Zorniel, thank you. We're going to talk in just a moment to Roman Medina. Uh, If you are a senior or you're caring for a senior or if maybe mom and dad are getting a little older, they don't have any care at the moment, what should you worry about when it comes to cybersecurity? Is someone out there trying to steal your stuff? Well, the answer may surprise you. I'm Ron Aaron along with Carol Zorniel. This is Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. Ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner. What can folks learn from WellMed Radio? You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life. And it's something that uh, you're newer to WellMed Radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio? Well, I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home. Nurse practitioner Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively. On 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Be there. If you go back in time, and not that far in time, cybersecurity didn't exist. There weren't people like Roman Medina and Ernest Zerniel, Carol Zerniel's husband, who were very steeped in a field that has suddenly become critical to the not only success of nations, but to the management of your home and office computer systems. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. We've been talking about Roman Medina coming on with us. He is 
the uh, Vice President for Information Security at Jefferson Bank, has three degrees from the University of Texas at San Antonio. When two BAs weren't enough, he got, uh, he got two, a BBA in Information Systems and a BBA in Accounting. As a Master of Science in Computer and Information Systems Security, Information Assurance, uh, graduated in 2010 with that degree, more than 10 years combined experience in information network security and information systems auditing in highly regulated industries with vital compliance needs. Uh, the fact is, Carol Roman's forgotten more about cybersecurity than we'll ever know. Uh, well, that would be hands down true, absolutely true. So thank you for coming in and taking the time to talk with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. What attracted you to this field? Well, you know, I, I started my career, I, I wanted to be an accountant. Then after I finished my intermediate one and two uh, financial reporting, I realized I did not like it. It was not for me. So I had my first information systems course. And at, around the time my father worked at Time Warner Cable, they were getting ready to roll out their internet service, uh, 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 their internet service. So Roadrunner, if you remember that. Sure. So my dad got really into computers. Started building them, so that got me into computers, into networking. Then once, once I got into uh, college, I took that one course, and I thought, you know what? I think information systems, IT, is where I do want to go. I had my first job as an internal auditor. I ended up doing some IT audits, and I wanted to do a little bit more hands-on. I just didn't want to find the issues. I wanted to help fix them. So I felt inf information security was a good a good balance for me. I could do the IT. I could do the reviews, and I could provide those recommendations and, to some degree, help implement them. Well, I'm just curious. You know, you work in a bank, and, and, and obviously we want all of our banks to have some, somebody thinking about computer security. But, you know, are, are those of us, you know, Ron and I, um, do, do we need to worry about cybersecurity? I mean, is this important to just anybody? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, and and. In 2017 alone, there there was a high amount of fraud of, of cybercrime just against your everyday user. So, cybercriminals, their financial institutions have been doing this for years. They have the defenses in place, so they're attacking those other industries that may not be up to par, like financial institutions. So we've seen a lot of healthcare providers being attacked as of late, um, and they're going after your everyday. Individual. So some of the recent breaches that we've seen in the last two years with the Yahoo security breach. So they got some information about users, their email addresses, maybe some answers to security questions. We don't know the full extent of the breach. Last year we saw the Equifax breach. So cyber criminals are building this huge database of this information. So they, they're developing profiles on individuals, and then they can then try to attack your Yahoo, Gmail, uh, Microsoft uh, email account because they know nowadays you interact with a bank in that regard. So then they try to defraud the bank, but while gaining access to your actual email account. So the name of that first dog that rode on the covered wagon with me to Oklahoma, they know the name of that dog. Yes, you'd have to change your dog's name. I better do that in a hurry. Use a different dog. So, <laughs> you know, you mentioned the Equifax, and, you know, I think. I don't know, everybody but maybe four Americans have now had their Social Security numbers stolen. Um, is that something that you think because the cyber uh, criminals have basically know where we live, they know our Social Security number, they know where we bank, you know, probably a lot about what we buy and what our credit is and maybe even most of our credit card numbers. You know, is it time for us to have a new system in place uh, as opposed to Social Security, which seems... You know, a piece of paper with a number on it doesn't seem real secure these days, especially when most of them have been compromised. Yes, definitely. And this, and going back to, uh, I remember when I first started college, the way, the way professors would give us our grades on exams, it, it would be a piece of paper on the on the door that had your social, and that's how. Right. They, it would be anonymous. Right. They'd have your grade, and you'd look for your social, and there was your grade. So, um, I think we just didn't realize where technology would go um, and how Social Security numbers are used nowadays. But definitely, I think there really has to be, uh, and it, it is a tough issue to solve, but many of the industry experts, some are, are calling for a replacement 
something like a social security number, but of course replacing that, or maybe even just reissuing social security numbers to everybody. Because like you said, uh, everyone's social is probably floating around out there. It's a matter of time for you to have your identity stolen or some other type of cybercrime. And, and of course you write it down, which you're not supposed to do, on a piece of paper in your wallet or your purse or your briefcase so that you always have it with you, and that defeats the whole purpose. Yes, definitely. And any any service that you apply for, a bank account, you go to your doctor, you're renting an apartment, anything you do, you need to provide that social. It gets written down on an application. It gets stored, filed away. So that number is floating everywhere. And like you said, some people can't memorize it, so they might actually carry their Social Security card in their wallet or in their purse, uh, which is also not a good practice. But, uh, yeah, so that that's the likelihood of it being breached are very high because of the manner that in which we have used it the past years. Well, let me ask you a question. What is it that's probably the, the most important thing for ordinary citizens to know um, about cybersecurity? You know, is it okay for me to use the same password for every single account since I can't remember every single account? I mean, is that like a is that a no-no? Am I? How often should I really be changing these? You know, my 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 approach to passwords. I do kind of have um, three main passwords with a slight variation of each, depending on the source of what I'm logging into. But but what I try to do is any any system that I sign up for, any whether it be my financial institution or my Gmail, um, I go for something that has multi-factor authentication. So. Um, Gmail, for example, when I log into my Gmail account, uh, I receive a text message that has a six-digit code that I have to enter as part of my password. So, and that goes to your phone. And that goes to my phone. Yeah. So you, are, you, don't, you don't want it. You told, you told Gmail, hey, don't let me get into my account unless you send me a text first. Correct. Yes, that's what's multi-factor authentication or two-step verification. So all the leading email providers, Yahoo, Gmail, offer that today. Financial institutions offer that as well, so that is the way to go. A lot of a lot of industry experts are saying passwords are dead. In a way, I I do believe them. Uh, so we need to adjust and find a new way of authenticating so ourselves. Is, is that going to be like biometric? Are we all going to have little retinal scanners next to our computers at home it, or thumbprint things? It could be a form of biometrics and uh, out of band authentication, like I mentioned with the with the SMS text messaging or sending through another app saying, you know, is this you logging in and you hit yes on your phone? So it, it, it will go by that means, I, I believe it will. Now, if you've yes. just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is here. We're talking seniors and cybersecurity. Roman Medina, Vice President, Information Security Officer at Jefferson Bank. And one of the things we should touch on, uh, especially for those who have uh, older parents, and it isn't the only the older folks who get in trouble here, but some do. Uh, for those who are caregivers for, for seniors, you see many of them getting involved in scams. And I know part of what a bank's responsibility is to try to help their customers avoid those scams. Well, what are some of the common ones, and, and what should we look for? Well, one of the most um, recent ones that we've been hearing a lot, in, and it's it's been dubbed the uh, grandparent scam. So a lot of grandparents nowadays may have a Facebook presence to keep to keep tabs with family and grandkids. So part of we're providing a lot of information out there who who are uh, uh, children are, who the grandkids are, who the the aunts and uncles are. So what we're seeing in this grandparent scam, uh, and I actually had a coworker mention that this happened to his mother uh, a few months ago. So they'll they'll find a way to get the phone number of that grandparent, call them up pretending to be um, grandkid or, or great-grand-niece uh, or nephew saying, I'm in trouble, um, I've been arrested, I need bail money. So they, they prey on that vulnerability of the elders, um, and then they direct them with, I need, you need to help me with my bail. You know, I need a prepaid card. I need this. This is what we're telling me that you need to do. So that's been one of the latest scams that we've seen as of late. So what we advise is just about education and awareness. So um, we teach, even I do this with my parents, uh, any phone call, any pop-up they get while they're using the computer, any email, if they, if they did not go out 
uh, and initiate that contact or they have no idea what it's about, uh, just ignore it. You know, it's better to play it safe. If you get an email asking for personal information, a lot of companies do not do that. So I recommend they pick up the phone and call someone themselves before acting on something like that. So usually when I get a phone call, if it's an unsolicited phone call and they're asking for information, I just hang up. And somebody was in my office that happened the other day, and they're like, you just hung up on that person. I said, yeah, I did. I didn't know who it was. But you just hung up on them. I'm like, yeah, I did. I didn't know who it was. Uh, And they thought I was being horribly rude, and I kind of didn't care. Yes, definitely, and that—that's they—they try to—they try to prey on that. You know, we're in a society where I think a lot of folks want to help. They—they want to—they want to—they want to help somebody in need. And when it comes to our elderly, which they might be alone, they—they they kind of like the attention and they—they—they they, they want to have that interaction. So they're easy prey for some of the cyber criminals. Well, we have someone in our office that someone called her aunt and and. L- gave her the opportunity to buy into ATM machines because you know how ATM machines give out cash. And they told her that if she was part owner of the ATM, that she was going to be able to get a portion of the cash that the ATM distributed. We're going to find out more about that in just a minute. That's amazing. I wonder where I can buy into that. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel and Roman Medina, our special guest. He is a cybersecurity expert, and not too many years ago there was there was only Roman, and now there are lots of these folks across the country, but probably not enough. Stick with us right here on nine thirty a.m. The Answer. We're so pleased you are riding along with us here on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Roman Medina with us, uh, Vice President, Information Security Officer at Jefferson Bank. We're talking about cybersecurity, and Carol just came up. We're talking about scams and ideas. This one is phenomenal. For those who may have just joined us, an aunt gets a call. And she's offered ownership of an ATM because, number one, people put money into ATMs, and you can get a portion of that, and people take money out of ATMs. And so if you're an owner, you can take some money out of the ATM, too. And so what happened was this older woman gave them money to buy her first ATM. And as promised, she got a check in the mail of her portion of some of the ATM proceeds. You know, you get a check for $100, $200. And then they ask you to buy a second ATM. And each ATM that you buy was, you know, around $25,000. And so now this uh, older relative has given away about $50,000. She's made about $200. And then guess what happens? They disappear. Oh, they disappear. And which ATM was it that she owned anyway? So, you know, it's so sad that there are people who would take advantage of the elderly like this. And Roman was looking at me and saying, he's never heard of the ATM purchase program. I've, I've <laughs> never heard of that scam before. No. That's so your bank doesn't sell ownership into your <laughs> ATM. No, so. we do not. No. But yeah. what's interesting, it, it, it's, on, on one level, it makes perfect sense. People put money into an ATM. ATMs give out money. Why can't you own them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My ATM, but a little. This belongs to. Well, you know. Well, what should she have done? What should she have done? Hung up the phone. Yeah, yeah well, definitely. Yeah, definitely yes. hang up the phone. Well, you know, so, so so that's one extreme example. But let's talk about another real life example where Pete. What was it about the big scam um, about a year ago where all the baby monitors in the world? hooked together like tiny robots to perpetrate crimes, international crimes. I mean, what is that about? Yeah, we've we've seen a lot of the with the the um, Internet of Things and and all these devices being able to hook up to the internet, whether it's your Amazon Echo, your Google Home, your light switches, your your smart plugs. So so there there have been some vulnerabilities. I think the one you're mentioning specifically is. Um, they they had default passwords and a lot of the consumers don't know to change them. They just plug it in and run with it. So, so a default password would be password. You know, it, it's, it's already set with a password at the factory that was the word password. Was exactly. The password. Yes. It could and no be, one ever and I never changed it. It to could be admin admin or it could be admin password. It's the default to that product. Yes. Okay. See, and I didn't know that they assigned default passwords. So. That was that's news to me. I didn't yeah, realize so, that machines came so, with default um, passwords. But what could you do taking control of a baby monitor? Well, what, what they were doing in this type of scam or attack was they they would take take these devices and 
turn them into these huge um, bots, or if you will, their their army of uh, computerized devices, and in turn turning these computerized devices devices to perform denial of service attacks against other corporations. Now, so what is a denial of service attack? So it's um, that's if I point a lot of devices and I send traffic to an organization, let's say jeffersonbank.com, and I overload that website with so much traffic that it's taken offline. So it crashes. You it just crashes, you just yes. you point everything, all the baby monitors in the world, right at ronaron.com. Your website goes down. No one can reach you. Correct, and, yes. And, and you're out of commission. In, in a way, sometimes it's turned into a form of ransomware. So they'll call up that organization and state, um, we're performing this denial of service attack. If you want to come back online, you need to pay us this ransom and we'll stop the attack. And people have paid ransoms. Well, yes. Well, that That's not that unusual. I mean, I've known several people that their computers have gotten locked up. Yes, and there, there's different and forms of, of ra- the ransomware. So uh, what you hear more of now is your computer locks up, and it's kind of like a tech support scam. They tell you to call the number, tech support will unlock your computer if you pay a ransom, or they'll, they'll put malicious software in your computer and encrypt all your photos of your kids, your grandkids, your family, or or your personal information that you make tax returns, and they won't give you that decryption key unless you pay that ransom. Although sometimes you pay the ransom and they still don't give sometimes, you the encryption yes, key. Sometimes, exactly. Yeah. Now, how common is this? Oh, it's very common. It's it's one of the more recent and profitable scams. The bad guys have have definitely um, made a, a criminal network company out of this. So they're. They're selling their ransomware as a service. You know, they'll build their little ransomware and then sell it to individuals where you might pay $5 to conduct, conduct a ransomware attack on 1,000 computers and then you, you reap the profits or they take, they take some off, off the, the ransom that's being paid. So it's very profitable um, to do, and a lot of uh, nation states are now using it as a way of cyber warfare. So, so what could I do to keep somebody from... Um, encrypting all of the stuff on my computer at home, you know, what should I be doing to protect myself? What well, really really starts off with foundational security. So what I call foundational security is ensuring your computer at home is patched and up to date always. You always want to be on the latest patches. Uh, third-party software, what, I, what I'm referring to is if you have um, Adobe or if you have uh, Flash Player, Java, if you visit any website, you have these additional pieces of software installed on your computer. So I would start with that. The second thing is as well is take a backup and have it stored off-site your computer, an external hard drive. So you want to back up your information. Um, the other thing you want to you want to do is lock down your wireless networks at home. So have a good strong password, use the latest wireless encryption. Uh, on there as well. And then finally, the last thing is just uh, practicing safe online habits. So whether you're online shopping, you're just checking your email, whatever it is you're doing online, if you get that that unexpected pop-up, don't click that pop-up, just close it. Um, If you get that email from somebody wanting to sell you an ATM, you ignore that email. You know, you you have to be very skeptical skeptical of everything that you see online you know nowadays so. see when i was a kid the big thing was selling trees in israel for young people's bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and I, this is just an extension of that whoever saw the tree they bought right yeah, have no idea no, yeah you have no idea well i mean it really is a whole a whole new world because we do put so much of you know our lives on computers and if we're family caregivers like you know i can think of um, a relative that's taking care of multiple relatives where they've got the financial records for three different people wow. on their computer at home. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not just our own information. It's the information that we're, you know, holding on behalf of other people that we may be caring for. Now, is backing up to the cloud not enough? Or is backing up to the cloud the problem? <laughs> da, 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 da. There's, yeah, there, there's a level of risk that you're comfortable with. So... For my personal preference, if it's anything sensitive with my social tax returns, financial information, I will not put that on the cloud. Um, However, pictures that I may have or videos, I'm okay with backing that up to the cloud. So my viewpoint is that's that's the core business of these companies. 
uh, in all likelihood, they'll probably have better protection than I would have on my computer at right. home. That's not to say they will not be breached. We've seen some breaches of security companies before. But like I said, I, I, keep, I keep my tax return information, anything sensitive of that nature, on an external hard drive, not, not on my computer. Definitely, uh, I also try to maintain two different computers. You know, one that I may use for, for just everyday surfing the web, um, and then I'll, another computer where I have all that sensitive information. Yeah, but you're one of these computer geeks. You've got, like, this setup here I'm looking at in the studio. How many <laughs> monitors do you have in your office? In my office? Let me see. Three of them right oh, now. And at yeah. home? At home. You know, at home, I'm more of the laptop lounge around on the on the couch, on the recliner type of thing, yes. But the the what I have to be careful with, being my wife, for example, being married to a cybersecurity professional, she doesn't listen to anything I say. So, so she's also cybersecurity? No, she's not. Oh, yeah, she's, she's married not. to you. She's married right. to me, but she won't listen to what I have to well, say. Well, and so. I see, and I was telling Roman before the show that <laughs> you know my husband does it. We he doesn't let me put anything on the cloud. You know, we don't have social media. We don't. We're kind of locked down. And if all else fails, the one thing you didn't mention is: Did you know that computers don't work without electricity? <laughs> so every once in a while, you know, you go to bed and you turn off your electricity. Um, yes, there are ways you can activate things, but it makes it way harder <laughs> if there's no electricity to your computer to hack into it. So what does the average person do to make sure they're up to date, make sure they're up to speed on uh, uh, malware protection, on uh, cybersecurity protections? Who do you call, who do you go to, and, and how do you get that taken care of? Well, yeah, you know, definitely there, there's a lot of free resources online. One of the, one of the biggest ones is staysafeonline.org. Stay safe. I'm sorry. Say that again. StaySafeOnline.org. Yes. Who runs that? So that's actually run. It's a. It's a Russian company. <laughs> no, it's actually run by by the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, the private. There's a National Cybersecurity Alliance. So there's an initiative that we're we're going on the 15th year, where they're promoting na- uh, national cybersecurity awareness. So the goal of that initiative, which was a presidential directive was to promote uh, a stronger, a more secure Internet for everyday citizens. So that is a very good resource to, to know, to stay in tune. And they also give, they give tips and advice for your everyday consumer staying safe with your home. And then if you're a small business owner, they offer some good tips and advice on there. Now, say the name again. StaySafeOnline.org. See, I've never heard of that No, website. I hadn't either. I, and your husband's keeping that from you. <laughs> he is. We're not allowed to have a computer at our house. <laughs> She's still using the abacus. I like that's, that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. I've got ten fingers working. It's working. Now, do you her. use wet malware protection on your own computers? Uh, yes, we do. We do. We do at our banking institution. Uh, we offer a piece of um, malware protection, uh, advanced threat protection that we provide some of our online banking customers. So it kind of it's an extra layer of protection whenever they're conduct, conducting online transactions through our online banking. And then me personally at home, yes, I have I have quite a few <laughs> running on my home computers. Yes. And you've got the tinfoil up on the windows or not? Yes, on the windows I wear my tinfoil hat. As yeah, well, that's so. important. So do you have <laughs> one of those billfolds that you can't read? People can't scan your credit cards through the billfold. You know, I don't have the billfold, but I do have the cards that you layer in between. Ah, so, so it blocks it. So, yes. you know, that's something I've really um, recently, uh, if I'm paying for something at a grocery store and, you know, you've got, your, you've got the chip reader and you have your credit card out in and, and the chip reader, I put my hand over my credit card as it's waiting to, to clear that because, I don't know, everybody's got a phone. I don't know. Maybe, I, obviously, Target got kind of a bad rap because they lost a lot of security. And I'm, but I've, I've had six credit card numbers taken um, in the past year, and I've had the credit card in my possession every single time. It's not like I dropped the credit card and it got lost, but I've had six credit cards compromised in the last year. So I've started putting my hands over the credit card numbers. Is that doing anything or just entertaining myself? That's in one of those chi- in the chip reader, you mean? Yeah, well, just while I yeah. have it out in public. I don't just leave right. my credit card out in my hand anymore. Interesting. There, we, there are still those attacks where they might do a uh, – RFID and try to kind of walk by you as you get near the near field communication, try to pick up the data on that card. But a majority of the credit cards being breached are um, other other restaurants or, or food places that they're being breached, their point of sale 
machines had vulnerabilities, so they started attacking them. That's, wow. that's what the target breach was about. So, so before the um, EMV, the chips, um, all that credit card data was stored on that point-of-sale device or a point-of-sale central server. So now with the chip, um, it's a random generalized number that is stored. So that will prevent that, but not a lot of the retailers have caught up with that requirement just uh, let me ask you we're, we're about flat out of time are you available to speak to groups or, or, or uh, you come out and you talk about cybersecurity? Uh, yes definitely how, yes, how do yes. folks get a hold of you um, they they can reach me um, probably probably on my email is probably the best place I would say it's just our Medina at jeffersonbank.com well it's nice to know that Jefferson Bank you know takes security so seriously so good for Jefferson Bank oh, and you don't charge for any of that service if you come out no I do not charge that's for cool that, no. <laughs> Armadina at jeffersonbank.com. Yes. Hey, Roman, thank you. This was very interesting and a little scary. <laughs> Carol Zernio, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on this segment of Caregiver SOS On Air. Up next, Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner, what can folks learn from WellMed Radio? You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life. And it's something that uh, you're newer to WellMed Radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio? Well, I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home. Nurse practitioner Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Be there. Thank you for staying with us and joining us now for Take 10. We come to you with Take 10 at the end of every Caregiver SOS on air. Dr. Jamie Heisman, who's normally with us on special assignment today. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is here along with Joy McQueen. Pinch hitting for Dr. Jamie. I'm Ron Aaron. I emceed an event uh, a couple of months ago, Carol, and there was a group of well-med patients sitting in a room. Must have been 100, 150 of them. And I said, okay, show of hands, how many of you are a caregiver? Maybe one or two hands went up. I was one of the two hands. <laughs> exactly. And I think Joy's hand went up. Uh, people, but we know they're caregivers. Do we not? We do. Mm-hmm. And that is the number one hardest question that we have. So Joy McQueen, uh, we didn't say works as one of our program managers in the Caregiver SOS um, program. So, you know, she, we, we talk all the time about how do we get caregivers to self-identify, to say, I'm a caregiver, because that's the hardest thing. So, Joy, what is the definition of a caregiver? Who is it we're trying to help? The, a, a caregiver is anyone who is 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 giving care to someone else, whether it be a family member, a, a friend, or a neighbor. If that if you're having to help someone um, by preparing meals, getting dressed, taking to doctor's appointments, um, going to other other type of appointments, you're a caregiver. And uh, but one of the things that we hear, and and I'm and I'm sure you've probably you heard this, uh, Carol, as well, and that is um, when you ask someone about being a caregiver, Caregiver, their response is, I'm just the daughter. I'm just the son. I'm just the husband. I'm not a caregiver. And, and it's when you get into starting to ask them questions, that's when they'll be like, well, yeah, I do that. And yes, I do that. And, and, um, the other thing is, uh, you know, when you, when you're asking those questions and, and that's where you get into uh, nobody can do this like I can uh, kind of thing. And, uh, a lot of times the question I ask them is, uh, and, and I bet that you are doing a great job taking care of your mom or your dad or your grandmother, grandfather. However, I bet it's hard sometimes, huh? And almost always the response is, yeah, it is. And that's where you kind of get that in, like being able to say, you know, okay, so what is, what's hard about it? And that's where with, with uh, being able to help with caregiver programs is, is, is helping them to understand about taking, is that, that starting that journey of taking care of themselves. So a caregiver can be 
really anybody mm-hmm. it, and there are and that's maybe that's why it's so hard for to identify them or for them to self-identify is because we have caregivers that are maybe just doing one thing maybe they're picking up groceries or maybe they're dropping off a meal then you've got somebody else who is bathing dressing cooking cleaning you know and doing everything soup to nuts so it's hard i think for sometimes people to recognize that they're a that they're a part of that team that they're part of that that care team. Um, but I'm also wondering if, Joy, do you think that saying I'm a caregiver, is that almost like owning the problem and making it a responsibility? I know Dr. Jamie's not here and neither you or I or a psychologist to know the deep inner mm-hmm. thinkings. But I'm just wondering if, if caregivers, do they do they not recognize the word? Do they not want to to be the caregiver? Is that a responsibility? Well, we heard something at your recent conference here on caregiving where uh, talking about the Latino community, that word doesn't translate. Absolutely. And I think that's a big, a big thing is, is culturally, you know, what does that, what does that mean? That word caregiver, what does, you know, it it has so many different, different meanings to it. So, so yes, if, you know, like you mentioned there, no, um, I'm not, I'm not a caregiver. That, that's not what I, yeah, I I want to be the wife. I don't want to be the caregiver. So maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's not not accepting the responsibility, maybe it's, that changes my role. Mm-hmm. I want to be the wife, I want to be the daughter, that maybe caregiver is something that's too impersonal. And a negative. And it, it's negative, mm-hmm. it sounds medical some right. in some ways, even though we talk about informal caregivers. And I love the lady, I was at a conference once, and a lady says, I am there 24-7. I am doing the bathing, the dressing, the this, the that, the that, the that. She goes, what part of that is informal? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, I'm everything to this person. Right. So, you know, so the, so the word caregiver, maybe it's not that it's, it's a negative. Maybe uh, in terms of being uh, responsibility, maybe it's I, I want to be who I am. I want to be who I've always been. And this signifies a shift in a relationship that says that I'm doing something different. Right. Numbers are huge, though. 65 mm-hmm. million is the number Dr. Jamie uses Absolutely. for caregivers mm-hmm. uh, across this country. And as baby boomers uh, age out through their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right. uh, we're going to run out of caregivers. We are. Well, yeah. that's it. Yeah, because we the families are so dispersed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they weren't producing enough kids. We, we, yeah. Right. We, OK, I'm not even going to go there <laughs> <laughs> to, to addressing, you know. So but so let me ask this question, Joy. Mm-hmm. What um, why is it we need to help caregivers? What is it? We're trying to help caregivers. They're not identifying. What is it we're wanting them to do? Why is it important for caregivers to self-identify? It's it's important for them to self-identify, so then they can can start seeking the resources that are available in in our community uh, for them. And if a caregiver is taking better care of themselves, then the person they're giving care to is going to to be better taken care of. Right, and we and you have to feel good about that. Absolutely, and I think that's I think that's a part of of it. That that again, when you're sitting down and talking to a caregiver and helping them to identify that 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 you know, as far as them taking care of themselves, that that then the person that they're taking care of is is going to is is going to be possibly happier, healthier. Um, it, you know, that that's 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 the big that's the big part of that. Well, you're listening to Take Ten on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with. Carol Zerniel, Joy McQueen, pinch hitting for Dr. Jamie Heisman. Carol? So you were talking earlier um, about the, the care plan and the importance of having a care plan. And, and part of why we want to reach out to caregivers is so they think about the future um, and try to, you know, plan things out. If you think about it, and Ron, I know you know this, with your kids, I'm sure you're thinking about their future all of the time. And 24-7, you know, with right. twins, you've got to, mm-hmm. you have to plan double time. What's, what, what's going to be their next phase? What about daycare? What, when they start to school? What about high school? About college? I mean, we spend so much time with our kids talking and planning and thinking. And then somehow it's okay to just whatever happens mm-hmm. when we're taking care of an older person as opposed to saying, all right, this person 
person has Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or cancer, right. this is probably what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. This is what, you know, we need to think of. What if something happens to me, you know, for whatever reason? What if I'm not here? If I'm not in the picture, what's going to happen to my loved one? Mm-hmm. So that care plan that Joy's talking mm-hmm. about is a real a pl- planning tool just to get that information out, again, to protect your loved one and to have a, a plan of care for both of you and know what's coming down the road. You raised right. a number of important points. One of those, and uh, 30, 40 years ago, parents who had kids with Down syndrome, for example, providing 24-7 care very often, uh, but the kids didn't live that long. Right. Uh, today, uh, odds are they may outlive they're caregivers, and you talk about planning. What do you do? What are the plans? What's the future look like? The same is true of uh, of a whole lot of folks in our society who, with debilitating diseases, still live a long time. Right, absolutely. And, and the other part of, of, of developing that care plan is involving the person you're giving care to, that they that they have say. They they they're able to say uh, what I what I want to have happen to me. We just did a caregiver SOS on that very topic. You're smiling. I'm yeah, smiling. Because yeah, yeah. we we had a, a the book author and he was had written a book about taking care of your parents and it occurred to him that he somewhere along the line he needed to be very explicit in saying and you need to ask your parents what they want to happen exactly so that you know and and we want you and I want to know that mm-hmm. joy we want to know what the wishes are of the mm-hmm. care recipient so. We don't go off and 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 go down a path that they didn't necess- would not have chosen, and that may be that we're being wanting more care than what they want to, for themselves. Yeah, what, one right. question that mm-hmm. uh, wasn't asked and uh, uh, probably ought to be, which is, you know, Carol, what do you think? What do you want to do? What do you want for your future? Exactly, exactly. Because that's where you get into that 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 uh, the person you're giving care to may say. Put me in a nursing yeah, home. I don't. Yeah, but I, I, I'm. You know, I'm, I don't. I don't like being. You know, I'm. I'm maybe it's not. I'm a burden. Maybe yeah. I'd like my own space. Yes, <laughs> I'd exactly. like have my own place, please. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a really good point, and I bet you hear that sometimes. We do absolutely. We right. Do. Just yes. amazing. How do folks get a hold of Caregiver SOS? You can go to our website at www.caregiversos.org um, and call eight six six. Three nine zero six four nine one. That's eight six six three nine zero six four nine one. For Carol Zerniel and Joe McQueen, I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you soon on nine thirty a.m. The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on News Talk 930 KLUP. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.